Hello and welcome to the Rhythm of Rebellion. I'm your host, Taina Asili. Emmanuel Candelario, also known as The Last MC, is a writer, performer, and recording artist with The Peace Poets, a collective of artists from the Bronx, New York. Since 2005, The Peace Poets have celebrated, examined, and advocated for life through music and poetry, with a stylistic emphasis on lyricism, rhythm, and authenticity. In 2014, their song, I Can't Breathe, in memory of Eric Garner, received national attention, being sung as a form of protest by activists, artists, and celebrities. Emmanuel found his love for writing and music through building with communities involved in social justice. He also worked as an educator at the Brotherhood Sister Soul for the last six years, working in an intensive mentorship program focused on helping young people reach sustainability and success. At the time of this recording, Emmanuel is in Washington, D.C. with the Peace Poets at an action to close Guantanamo Bay Prison. I had the pleasure of performing twice with the Peace Poets last year. On one of those occasions, I invited them to my house where we sipped tea and excitedly exchanged stories about our journeys in writing protest music. We spoke until late into the night. It was then that I knew I was in the company of social justice music family. Peace, Emmanuel. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rhythm of Rebellion. I'm so grateful to speak with you today. Peace, Taina. It's my, my pleasure and blessing to be able to join you uh, in Gaetano. Uh, I have heard the first couple of episodes and I'm really excited to exchange with you. Thank you. It's been such a um, pleasure getting to know you. I have this memory of um, this past year, you coming to my house and having tea with you late at night after we performed together at an event and just getting to know your history and your personalities and um it's just you all are such beautiful people, and I really wanted to share what I know about you with my community. So it's just an awesome opportunity. Awesome. So I wanted to ask you about uh, your journey to Washington D.C. Soon, I think you're you're heading down there today at the time of this recording, right? Yes. And yes. as far as I understand, you're doing some work uh, to close Guantanamo Bay Prison. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the Peace Poets uh, have been involved with a group called Witness Against Torture. Um, we're part of this group who are activists, organizers, educators, um, people of faith, um, people who are moved to stand for, for those who are imprisoned um, and detained for an indefinite amount of time uh, without charge in Guantanamo Bay Prison. And so... Uh, President Obama promised at the beginning of his presidency that he would close the prison down um, as it's such a, a stain on everything that this this country claims that it, it stands for. Uh, so every January, uh, this group of people, um, we gather and we fast in solidarity uh, with the men being detained who are also hunger striking, some for 
many years and the only way that they some of them have continued to be alive is through being force fed um, and many have died while in prison uh, hunger striking so um, this is a time of, of for us uh, of ritual and of ceremony and bringing their their names and their stories uh, to the heart of the United States uh, and reminding uh, those people in power, reminding power uh, that there are lives being destroyed, um, you know. And so this is um, this is our ceremony. This is our statement. This is our prayer uh, while we're while we're down there. And and we're actually asking folks to join us uh, January 11th um, in front of the Supreme Court uh, and in, in testifying and witnessing uh, for these men and for their families. They know, the men in, in the prison know that in January, uh, this community gathers. And so uh, we want to invite everybody uh, who can make it to join us in, in prayer and intention. And that's going to be on January 11th? Mm-hmm, yeah. Is this the first time that you've been down there, or have you been down there for this action before? Yeah, um, this, is, uh, this is something that it ha- has been happening annually. Uh, and since the, the prison has been opened, this community called Witness Against Torture, they started with a trip to Cuba, uh, to, to Guantanamo Bay. Um, and actually last year, uh, I went with the group as well, uh, with a few other members of the Peace Poets, um, to witness, uh, Guantanamo Bay prison. And we got as close as we physically could, um, to the military base, um, and we fasted and we held ceremony there. Um, and so um, every year, um, this is now my fourth year uh, attending. Um, and so every year we go, we fast and, and we just hold uh, direct action. Uh, sometimes we take over uh, buildings. Um, sometimes we just interrupt the daily flow of life in DC. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to read these stories, mm-hmm. read these testimonies, um, be in the actual clothing um, that the men are forced to wear, uh, the black hoods over their heads, the orange jumpsuits, um, to remind uh, United States citizens that, that this is going on in our name. When I hear this, I think of your poem, The Greatest Gift. And I just want to thank you for that piece because I think it's incredibly powerful um, and incredibly important. And I assume that some of that poem was inspired by this activism that you're doing. Um, But I wanted to know a little bit about why this issue is important to you, you know, and why it's important in terms of your expression of it in your art, in your poetry, and in your activism. What, what made you feel connected to this work? Yeah, um, thank you for that. And thank, thank you for listening to the poem. Uh, it was a, a result of my experiences through this community um, and through my trip to Guantanamo Bay. Um, and I think I organically became linked to the, the poets um, in the prison. Um, while I was in college, I just so happened to pick up um, a book called um, Poems uh, poems from Guantanamo Bay. Mm. Um, and it was, it was just devastating 
and beautiful and profound um, their testimonies. Uh, men who, for for no reason apparent to them, no reason that the government has stated, had have just been snatched up, um, and just the the coping with that reality every day, not knowing uh, whether your mother has passed away in the mm. 10 years that you've been taken, what, what happened to your children, not, never hearing their voices again. Um, and that expression in, the, in that poetry uh, was something that just deeply moved me as a poet. Uh, and so that was my like just random encounter with, with like the poet, uh, just the poetry, the word, the expression, and and then I had this opportunity because of the the art and the movements that, and the communities that we're connected to, to join uh, Witness Against Torture in D.C. And I was like, wow, uh, this is like specifically the issue that I, I like I I read about and I felt about. Mm. Um, more importantly, I felt about it first. I was like, damn. Uh, my my brothers, like my tribe, are imprisoned, um, are in the darkness, uh, and and they've sent out this message that I randomly received, and that now is is uh, the universe is opening pathways for me to connect deeper um, mm. to like people who are fighting legal battles, who are risking their bodies, um, so that the, these stories are be uh, are visible are, are heard um and cause disruption so uh that's how, like how I, how I became anchored to it um like through through the word uh and then deeper through like the universe affirming that mm. i think it's so interesting that you know as a poet who inspires people through your poetry to get involved in activism, that you too were inspired to do that because of the poetry that you received um, or the inspiration from the poetry that you read about um, from this book, from those at Guantanamo. I think that's pretty incredible. Um, it makes me think a little bit about um, Martin Luther King Jr., and some of the words that he spoke against the Vietnam War, um, you know, at the time that this uh, interview is going to be published, it'll be uh, around Martin Luther King Day. And, um, you know, I think that sometimes Martin Luther King's um, speeches about the, uh, against the Vietnam War are not talked about as much. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to share this quote with you and see what you thought about it. The quote is from his 1967 speech, Why I'm Opposed to the War in Vietnam. Rationalizations and the incessant search for scapegoats are the psychological cataracts that blind us to our sins. But the day has passed for superficial patriotism. He who lives with untruth lives in spiritual slavery. Freedom is still the bonus we receive for knowing the truth. Ye shall know the truth, 
says Jesus and the truth shall set you free. Now I've chosen to preach about the war in Vietnam today because I agree with Dante that the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who in a period of moral crisis maintain their neutrality. There comes a time when silence is betrayal. Wow. I love that quote, and especially that last line that says, there comes a time when silence becomes betrayal. Mm. And um, I wanted to hear your thoughts about this quote or, or even Martin Luther King's work in general. Has that been a source of inspiration to you? in your art and activism. Wow. I mean, that quote is so powerful and, and, and prophetic, uh, and still gives me chills. Mm. Uh, and I think that's at, at the point where, um, his analysis was becoming its most powerful where he was seeing, uh, he, where he was tying in more and more, uh, like the big, pictures in terms of class and war and empire. Uh, and so I, I feel like I've really been connecting to that perspective recently, even in the recent actions in, in uh, Washington, D.C., because this community, Witness Against Torture, we uh, gathered um, on the 3rd, and we're going to be in D.C. until the 12th, and even past that into the inauguration. But we've been doing actions all throughout the week. And one of the actions we did, uh, we showed up at Union Station uh, in D.C. And we had a group of us dressed in the orange jumpsuits and black hoods uh, of Guantanamo uh, Bay Prison. And, and then we read testimonies of the men uh, some who have died in prison, some who were released, uh, some who were released back home and some who were released to sponsoring countries uh, to never see their families again. Um, and we sang songs. And like some of the reactions that we were met with were so telling about where our country is uh, at this moment, especially with the president-elect that, that we have. Um, and so I think about that, like the neutrality, um, how people want us to become invisible, how I saw people wishing we were invisible because they don't want to deal with it. Um, I saw people, people's ire come out. Um, actually this, this man, this like well-dressed businessman yelled at us that we were terrorists and we were all going to rot in hell. Mm. Uh, and I actually followed him and like had a discussion with him uh, because I, I just felt moved at that moment um, to not let him just get away with that. I was like, nah, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Um, and so we got into a debate and and essentially like he he it just got to the point where he was just rationalizing his fear and his hatred. And, mm -hmm. and I was not going to let him get away. And I saw so I was just telling him, I'm like, look, you're just that's Islamophobic. That's Islamophobic. Like you can rationalize it. You can justify it. He can, he was like pointing to 
to quotes in the Quran and just being like, look, it says this, this and that, like that's violence. And I'm like, you don't think the Bible has that? I'm like, do you think this continent had right. any white people before before y'all came? You know what I mean? And so I was like, you, you have to, if you're going to judge religious extremism, you have to do it both and all sides. Mm-hmm. But especially start with Christianity and European colonialism. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I just feel, I, I, I really connect with that quote. Like in, in all the work that um, we're doing and that I'm involved in, uh, just we, we feel the sense of urgency um, being, con- you know, the indigenous fight for, for Mother Earth, we feel that urgency. And so when, when people don't stand up, when people look at you like you're crazy for, for being in a protest, for taking to the street, for organizing, you know, um, for, ta- for taking the time to talk to young people and build with, with them as artists and as truth tellers, uh, you know, and, and because all of that comes in the face of a system that is, is pushing you down to not exist, uh, or, or to beat the fight out of you. So, um, that, that quote is so relevant at this moment in time. Like we're getting to, to a point in our humanity, in our history where we can no longer, afford the weight of our mistakes of our violence of our way of life you know so mm. i think i think we that's that's one of the quotes that we should all be reading and reflecting on mm-hmm. as the uh, king day uh comes and and we honor him and his spirit fear and hate can manipulate the mind and those that know will never show but they're working in design Behold the ignorance of the times. Get shot and get in line. Get caught and drop a dime. The Constitution's pretty, but your actions will define. It's like they don't believe that word and deed are intertwined. In Guantanamo, still detained are 107. From that number have been cleared 47. And their excuse for this abuse is still tied into 9-11. The hate-filled powerful trying to maintain their prominence. They enter the global stage with the greatest example of their incompetence. They invade the wrong country, imprison the wrong men, abuse every human right and wonder why we can't get along then. The arc of justice is a long bend. Judge, jury, and torturer. They've taken this power upon them. So I focus my spirit and pick up a strong pen. So another poem that I love by you is called Lucero. And right now, in a time of such pervasive anti-immigrant sentiment, uh, poetry that speaks to this issue is really important. And I wanted to know uh, what this poem means to you and and why it might be important to you. Yeah, um, that poem was written after the murder of Marcelo Lucero. Uh, who was killed in New York. He was killed in uh, Patchog, Long Island. Um, and he was killed simply because he looked the way he looked, because he was brown, he was Latino, uh, and he happened to be undocumented. Uh, <clears throat> and the way that he was killed, it was just so vile. It was a group of 
teenagers who called themselves the Caucasian crew, you know, and it was just deeply rooted in racism and hatred and xenophobia. Uh, and I felt that I had to respond the way that I knew how, um, using my, my words, using my poetry. Um, and so I wrote that piece uh, in the spirit of Marcelo Lucero uh, with, uh, with the spirit of a fire um, and, and we're actually going to be releasing a video soon, um, because we just feel it's so urgent in the time, in this time where the president elect is, he, he, he is freestyling his bigotry, you know, on the mic. Uh, it, it's something that it's, he doesn't even think about. You know, he's just he's just speaking his mind. Mm. Uh, and, and so this is this is someone who that that kind of ignorance is supremely dangerous because he has executive power. He has the, that level of power. Mm -hmm. um, and so um, this is an issue that we want to speak on, that we want to align ourselves with humanity um, and and call out any kind of xenophobia, racism, hatred, um, because that's our family that's going to be suffering. Um, the, that week where, where we, um, where, where we failed as a nation and elected, uh, Trump as our next president, uh, you know, our young people were so deeply affected and were, and were triggered and going through trauma. You know, and that's a, that's mm -hmm. just from uh, a youth worker's perspective, from an educator, and I'm I'm sure other activists and organizers, and yeah, and from a mother's perspective too. All of you yeah. know, as parents, we watched our children be terrified. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and, and it because it doesn't make sense. It does. It, it makes no absolutely no sense, and I and I think it's uh, it's illuminating to those of us who are able to understand. Uh, and who know our history, like the illusion of, of, of this democracy. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that as artists, we're, we're just like, we have to be ready <laughs> to put these messages out there, um, in powerful, eloquent, uh, thought provoking ways and in ways that leave really no space for them to claim, except their own hatred and bigotry. You know, and so we're trying to arm ourselves, um, our communities and our spirits with uh, with knowledge, with inspiration um, and, and with that love um, so that we know and understand uh, that we're not alone, that we are connected uh, to a larger movement to, and to a larger community who is in the struggle um, entirely. You know, we're all in. Uh, and and for some of us, uh, for many of us, for most of us, there is no option but but to be all in. And so, to within that, there comes um, there comes trust and faith uh, in in our love for each other, and knowing that we're gonna we're gonna be in this struggle together. I am the illegal immigrant, undocumented and unrepentant. 
And ain't no poet seeing me, cause my revolution is being me. I'm the perpetual disobedience who doesn't need an audience. I'm the anti-celebrity, a hero whose power is invisibility. I'm the underdog's underdog dog. Try working a nine to nine with a bad spine and no paid overtime. I got my family on my mind. What you know about depression and dismay? I've crossed rivers to get here and cried them to stay undocumented. But you can call me illegal. Cause last I looked, it was a crime to be equal. I am neglect personified, an existence vilified. So forget stages, pens and pages. We are warriors burning sages. And sage burns slow por la gente que falta. Cause we remembered the deception of Altahualpa. Was it worth the spoils? Your ancestors fought for gold. Your descendants fight for oil. We resurrect. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your history with um, being a social justice poet and musician. And, mm -hmm. you know, a little bit about the your own personal history and how that moved into your work with the Peace Poets. So we... The Peace Poets come, come out of a freedom hub in New York called uh, the Brotherhood Sister Soul, which is a community organization in Harlem that works with black and Latino young people, uh, teaching them, <clears throat> guiding them. Uh, and that's where we learned about Pan-African Latino history, political education, social justice. Um, and it was a, a place where we were mentored and guided and given opportunities to grow as, as young people and as artists. Um, and so um, through uh, the Brotherhood Sister Soul, like I got the opportunity to travel to South Africa um, and we like studied the, the history, the language, the politics six months before going and then we stayed there a month and we were able to meet with uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu like go to Soweto, go to Cape Town, Pretoria. Uh, and it was experiences like like that. But just in general, the the praxis of the Brotherhood Sister Soul, um, which grounded me in, in freedom and the struggle for freedom uh, and the history. Because prior to that, like I was going to school and it was really a, a precarious time for me academically. I, I had always been a, a good student, but more and more I felt disconnected to history, to, to what I was learning, to the environments. Like, uh, I saw, I was experiencing more and more that like I was different than other kids because I, I went to a school where I was one of the few kid, uh, students of color. Mm. Um, and so, uh, me and my mom wanted me to have the best education. So she found like, you know, a scholarship program for disadvantaged students, like getting me in in through the through the the door, putting her foot in the door as much as she could, um, and so, like I was becoming uh, apathetic to that education and to that style of learning um, until I I connected to the Brotherhood Sister Soul, um, and they gave me that political analysis. They also had a pro um, a program called the Liberation Program, which was a cohort of young people that. We're also we're learning about activism and like young movements, uh, young people in movements, um, but also participating in their own movements as well. And so I saw young people uh, organizing locally 
my my peers um and so that was like super inspiring um i was able to connect to um the school of unity and liberation out in california through uh brosis as well and that just kind of like snowballed me to opportunities that just kept opening up um and so when i graduated college uh, i worked full-time for the brotherhood sister soul um, because i was really rooted in the need for uh, organizers and educators and <clears throat> elders uh, to step up uh, for our young people. Um, and that's something that I'm still called to do as, as a peace poet, um, is, is connect with young people, build with young artists, um, to hear and listen to their stories. Uh, most importantly, like beyond <clears throat> what any, anything that I have to share is just giving a, a young person an opportunity to, to be listened to. Um, so that uh that all has all fed into the work that i do now um as a as a peace poet performing and uh, also doing workshops and residencies so have you been able to witness the impact that your art and music has had on people i wanted to ask you that because i i think about the song i can't breathe uh, mm-hmm. that the peace poets put out and had such a widespread use in activism um, throughout the country and maybe even further and beyond. Um, And I wanted to know what you witnessed in terms of the impact that your work has had on people. Uh, Thank you for that thoughtful question. And I I think that's uh, a question that many artists have on their minds and continue to reflect on as they create and put out work. And I think there are two two threads that I see. One is the direct and the personal, um, which I, in some ways I would argue uh, is the most profound. Um, and so that, that work is like the work that we do with communities uh, in the long term. And, and so like seeing a young artist grow, uh, you know, in, in through like six years of, sessions and writing and practice and performances, um, I think is like one of the most uh, affirming experiences. Um, and like one of the things that just fills me up with gratitude for the way that art connects, um, because you see, you see them like grow and then acknowledge uh, the time and the energy that you've invested in them. Um, and then, like the second, uh, the second thread is begins uh, as like things react out in the world, and so that's like almost beyond your control. Um, and so, with I can't, that I can't breathe song, we began to see this, uh, like seeing people just using it, um, who heard it or, or saw it through another means, um, and like pretty soon, like it, you know, that, that term viral, uh, meant something to, to us, uh, like viral. Like when people say that, like you just, it, you know, it just expands exponentially, like whatever. But when you feel it have an impact, uh, on you, like, um, it's, it's a strange experience because <clears throat> I think <clears throat> the song, you know, it, it's, it becomes something bigger than you. And, that's obviously like for us the 
our relationship to it. Um, and part of that is our intention as well. Like we want it to be bigger than us. Um, and we want it to be used and we want it to be out. And, and so with that intention also comes like, uh, like a, a lot of people just like remixing it. Um, and <laughs> just like, uh, in, in ways that we didn't even think about, mm. um, and and so that's like a beautiful thing to to have the work come back to you um in that way and now uh recently uh jeff chang put out a book um the we gonna be all right uh uh, notes on race and resegregation um and he's a historian and a scholar that you know we have read and looked up to um and he reached out to us to credit us for the song. Um, and so think there, those are, those are affirmations that we also deeply appreciate, uh, because it's now falling into, um, a path that we have observed and, um, and tried to honor, um, because it has inspired us, mm. uh, to, and informed us, uh, in, in the, in our, in our own journey. So, um, yeah, like it, it's it's definitely um, an experience that continues to evolve um, and that we're exploring in our journey as artists. And I'm sure, you know, you feel the same way oh, yeah. as you as you continue to, to see your work and and how really it's it's like giving life um, because once it's out there. Uh, once your energy is out there and, and like the way that you are as an artist, uh, it takes a life beyond you. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, Absolutely. it's part of the journey. Absolutely. What, what's next on the journey for the Peace Poets? What's on, next on the journey for you? Well, we are working on um, a compilation of songs called Movement Music and our intention with this is uh, to have, to bring art into movement spaces. And so thinking about the communities that we are, um, that we have relationship with, um, that whose, whose lives and whose voices and whose experiences um, matter to us because we're united in struggle uh, and in, and and that comes with uh, informing ourselves of the issues that are are affecting them, um, and also joining them in the street uh, and in direct action. So, one of one of the intentions that we always have is to bring music to direct action. And so, movement music has that intention. We're working on um, a bunch of songs with. Uh, family and friends who are artists, musicians, poets, um, to bring their messages, uh, to bring our messages and our medicine uh, to the front lines. And Mm. so that's our intention with this, um, to not only create the music, but to join uh, our family in the streets uh, in singing and in ceremony uh, so that, you know, our medicine is strong uh, where it needs to be. That's beautiful. You know, we were talking about the song and 
I too have sung your songs at protests and demonstrations. I think I showed you a video of that last year. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, your work as an artist has definitely had an impact on me as an artist and as an activist um, has become a powerful tool for me. So I want to thank you for that. Is there anything else you wanted to add in terms of more of the journey of the peace poets and what we can look forward to from you? Yeah, uh, just that for folks who would like to be connected to us, um, to join us, uh, to connect to us online. And I know that uh, and, and I want that to be an invitation to a first level of connection. Um, and, I, and I hope that it doesn't stay that way. So, you know, the first level is the electronic, if, if you've never heard of us, but to connect to us, to be informed on our movements, um, where we're going to be performing <clears throat> and projects that we'll, we'll be releasing. Um, you can check us out at thepeacepoets.com or on Facebook, just The Peace Poets. Um, and we uh, hope that that's the first level. And the second level, obviously, is meeting in person. And so um, hopefully uh, you can invite us uh, to your event or you can come out to our event. Um, and so we, we just want to be uh, thoughtful in the way that we're connecting to our peers, our family, our medicine makers. Um, as we walk this journey. And so uh, that's the thing that we find the most joy in mm. uh, is that collaboration, is that uh, that space of, of freedom that exists between us. And so we hope to, to expand that in 2017 because um, 2017 uh, needs it, needs it. Uh, we, you know, we've all heard the call. Um, and so all the creators, um, you know, where I think where we feel that that call to rise. Uh, and so in our in our part, um, we invite you to to rise and create with us. Uh, and one and one step is just to connect uh, online and then take it from there. Beautiful. And I hope that I get to connect with you, too, in 2017. I'm setting that intention yes. that we get to collaborate again um, yes. on this musical journey for justice. Yes. Thank you Absolutely. So, thank you so much for joining me and um, peace and blessings to you. Yeah, thank you, Taina. Uh, thank you, Gaetano. Much blessings. Thank you for, for your work in um, curating this experience. Um, just as a listener <clears throat> to the show I was listening to prior to this interview, um, I feel uh, filled. Um, and I know that that comes, that feeling comes from the work that that you have put in and so thank you so much for for that vision and for the execution of that mm, vision thank you so much thank you so much peace and love thank you so much for listening to the rhythm of rebellion you can listen to the rhythm of rebellion and read our show notes at rhythmofrebellion.com and subscribe to the podcast on itunes you can find more info about Emmanuel and the Peace Poets at thepeacepoets.com and more info about my music at tainaasili.com. I want to thank my guest as well as my editor, Gaetano Vaccaro. Until next time, peace and love. Come if you doubt me, if you thinking like Marley, you'll get caught like Ramali. Any justice, Harley. 
That's just for the Bobbies and the Kens. One percent acting hardy.